Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Welcome into another edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball and the Hoopball Podcast Network. I am your host, Amy Barling, and I thank you so much for downloading today's episode. I thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your Sacramento Kings coverage. Uh, Aaron Bruski, the father of Hoopball and the Hoopball Podcast Network, is set to join me here in just a couple of minutes. We've got plenty to talk about with him, including the resumption of the NBA season, what he thinks about that from a league perspective. And then, of course, we will center in on the Sacramento Kings and the things that they've got to deal with entering what really is going to be an eight-game sprint. Uh, for those teams on the fringe of the 8th and ninth spot of each conference. Uh, before we talk to Brewski, I want to remind you uh, that I host a daily podcast. Uh, if, if local sports is your thing, if local sports talk is your thing, and you recognize that you're not getting the type of local sports talk that you want from your local sports radio stations, you can get it on the podcast with Damian Barling. That is available on the very same podcast platform that you are listening to this show on. It posts every single day, no later then 7 a.m. So you got all day to check it out. If you want to check out the subscription service I have where I host a number of other podcasts, including a weekly wrestling podcast and a social uh, kind of a social issues podcast called Be Conscious, you can head over to patreon.com slash Damian Barling. There's also a ton of incentives for Kings fans uh, to join that platform as well. Uh, but those incentives really kick into play when these eight games get underway. And with that said, let's bring in Aaron Brewski. Brew, uh, the NBA is set to return. What do you think, you know, before we zero in on the Sacramento Kings, what do you think overall of the NBA's plan to return to action? Man, I I mean, I, I understand everything that they're doing with this plan. It is a uh, it's probably as good of a plan as you could come up with, uh, though, the way professional sports works, there's so much money on the line that they will maybe not err on the side of caution as much as they should. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, this is a really weird time for the country as a whole. Uh, COVID cases are spiking, and I, I'm not 100%. Imagine that. Um, you know, <laughs> what's that? I said imagine that. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, like, I think the numbers are just starting to show Memorial Day weekend. Um, you know, um, you know, when folks get it. So that's not counting protests. That's not counting. I I know in my personal life, I'd say a good half of the people I know have exhibited some form of letting their guard down. Yeah. And, uh, read a great article. Um, don't even know where I read it from, (laughs) but the the headline was great. It's like, has America given up? And I think, you know, Hey, herd immunity, here we come. Um, but if that stuff starts to really pile up, you know, if there are issues in the winter, it'll be interesting to see how that affects the bubble in Orlando. If they can really truly keep a bubble, that's all. That's why I thought they'd always have to go is really keep just in a you know really strong bubble. And um, you know, from there, if they can keep the COVID cases down, keep everybody safe, then you're 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 on on your way to something good. Um, 
And then when you start to get into basketball stuff, it is just like, yeah, we've been through a couple lot. We've been through a lockout, you know, been through some kind of weird stuff in the NBA, but this is by far the weirdest. And so how teams react, who comes back out of shape. That's my big one. I want to, I would say probably about 10% of NBA players will come back obscenely out of shape. And so who are those guys? You know, are they, are they big key role players? Are they, you know, going to really hinder the team, you know? Uh, So we'll see how that all plays out, but I'm excited, man. You know, talking some basketball for the first time in a couple months, that's good for the soul. Yeah, indeed it is. Especially after the things we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Uh, Is there like, is this going to be one of those years? Like I was, I was thinking back to, it was like a strikes shortened season in 99. And I think that was like a Spurs Knicks final. And I think the Spurs were like a eight or not the Spurs. The Knicks were like an eighth seed. And and then I think back to the Jordan list, uh, 94 team. Uh, the Rockets were like a six seed. You know what I mean? Is it like, is this going to be one of those years where we come out of it talking about, man, the Oklahoma city thunder, or, or, or something, <laughs> in, you know, and, it, and it's not as insane to say the Boston Celtics. I think people would be stunned if you said, yo, what if the Raptors win their second straight NBA championship? Is this a year, you know, we're focused on the Bucks. Some of us are focused on the Clippers, obviously the Lakers. Could we be talking about, you know, another team like, I don't know, the Raptors or the Celtics or maybe maybe COVID-19 was good for the Philadelphia 76 or soul and they come back united and they're ready to go and you know that that that's an imposing team when they're not wanting to kill each other and when they're healthy yeah, yeah. i mean it's a great time to take the the underdogs you know in, in Vegas just cuz it is so random and it is so weird um that said you know out west you know those two LA teams They've got enough in the tank to so to kind of render that discussion. I think moot. You know, um, a, a team coming out of the East. You know, the Bucks are, are the favorites. They've got a lot of good stuff going for them. And I also think that they probably don't have any let up. You know, heading into this, they know that they're at the top of the East and they they you know probably stayed in shape. You know, they're they're deep. They got different angles. You know, they can cover. They can match up well with a lot of different opponents. Um, the Celtics though, you know, you know, when you start to go down the list of the Eastern conference teams that could actually, you know, make noise, I think the Celtics have, you know, uh, a great angle, you know, as far as covering Giannis, um, you know, Philly, eh, I don't believe much in Philly just cause you know, leadership is so important in the playoffs. And I just don't think that those guys have it, but you look at like Toronto, yeah. Toronto's got a lot of good players, man. And, and, and they actually match up even better. With, with Giannis, you know, they can throw on at Bach. Apparently Gasol's lost all his weight. So, you know, that'll be interesting to see. And they're um, obviously you know, really well coached. Yeah, they got continuity. They, they got guys that can play, man. You look at somebody like Fred Van Vliet. You know, that guy went out in the, in the playoffs and really just did his thing. And, you know, so they're bringing all that back to the table. So, yeah, in the East, I actually do think that you, you could see a lot of um, – you know, surprising upsets and, and outcomes. And, and when you look in the West, you mentioned Oklahoma City. You know, that's the Chris Paul-led team. You know, they, they've got good talent. You know, they don't got great depth. But I do think you'll see upsets, um, you know, throughout whatever the playoffs look like. And, um, you know, they'll be good for us. It'll be fun, you know, to watch. Uh, as far as an asterisk goes, though, you know, you do see a lot of talk about that online. You know, is there an asterisk next to the name nah. of this season's champion. Nah. 
a lot of people are way too passionate for that discussion, man. Like I can kind of see that one, you know, from both angles there. I mean, like, I, I, I can see it brew like in the, like if, I mean, is there kind of that next to the Houston Rockets of 94 and 95? It's like, Oh, the Rockets won back to back championships, but I don't ever buy, I don't ever hear anybody say, well, the Spurs won the title in 99, but it was a strike shortened season. No one ever says, you know, the Lakers should have never beaten the Blazers. The Lakers should have never beaten the Kings. Like, Come on, man. Like, I don't know. I think that you're type talking of talk about is when we look at it in, in the future. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, you're right. In the future, there's going to be, you know, some of that stuff will recede and uh, a lot will depend on who wins. Of course, if it, right. if it is an upset, I think right. you'll see, you know, some some asterisks thrown. Now, I just think like I don't want to dismiss talk of asterisks. I do believe that whoever wins is, you know, the is a real champ and you know they deserve all the credit that they get you know that it's kind of like in any game you play as long as the rules are fair you know and, right. and but yeah they change midstream if you know, orlando wins maybe if sacramento <laughs> sneaks into the playoffs and wins the nba championship yeah maybe there's going to be fan bases screaming but if the bucks win even if the raptors celtics i mean i think there's probably you look at the Lakers, Clippers, there's a bunch of teams that could win and people would go like, yeah, like, okay, it, it, it makes sense. I'll put it this way. I personally won't throw an asterisk on it, but Maybe. I, I just, it's a weird situation, man. You got just, I, I, it's unprecedented and you, you, you do, you're going to see, I think a different, uh, this will play out differently, obviously, than if it had happened normally. And it'll come down to those, those factors such as rest. Um, you know, condensed games as we get into it. Here's uh, a, the continuity. Here's a hypothetical teams. for you. What if the Rockets don't know it's the playoffs because of mm. the month it is? <laughs> they, dude, they'd be dangerous. If the Rockets don't, if James Harden is completely unaware that it's the postseason, man, I'm, boy, watch I, out. The Rockets, you know, the Rockets could be good. I, I love it, man. The Rockets get everything they deserve. Yes, they, they it's, <laughs> yes, they, they do. the way they play the game, the you know from you know leadership perspectives, just everything having to do with those guys. They deserve every aspect of it. And um, but I'm they, still they captain of the Russell Westbrook fan club, and I am unapologetic about that. Well, you know, it's hard not to root for somebody that you know wants to like jump through a, a glass plate window, you know, to get the job done. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what he's always been about, and. So yeah, no, they're they're going to be very interesting, and I like what they're doing actually. And they started doing it at the end of the regular season or whatever we're calling it. They they they're going super small, and and I think they just know they can't win this thing straight up, so they have to turn to something else. That to me is good game theory. You know, you you, you go in there and you do that. At that same time though, oh, they're just not in that upper echelon. Yeah, team, my concern so. about them is, but it's actually the case for a lot of the upper echelon Western Conference teams is they were really good at home. Obviously, that's not going to be a factor anymore. Uh, they did win six of their last ten, as you were speaking about what they did at the end of the season. I also had another like hypothetical, like I, th- I think this would be a fun, you know, radio bit. Like a, I could do it on the daily podcast here. You know, they're sharing that like each hotel is going to have four teams in it to start. And so <laughs> I started to think, what would be the most intriguing groupings of teams in some of these hotels? And one of the first ones that comes to mind is. You've got to pair the Sacramento Kings with the Dallas Mavericks, don't you? Like, in just hopes that you go down and, you know, you get your continental breakfast or whatever they're doing here at these places and Vivek bumps into Luka Doncic or, 
you know, some some interaction with Luca and the Sacramento Kings. I, I just feel like it would be it would just be fantastic. And, you know, the shame would be I don't think there's going to be anybody there to document it. But I think the if we get the right pairings, you want content? I'll give you content. Start filming what's going on in these hotels where some of these teams are are sharing through the first, you know, as you noted, the the quote regular season into the, the the first round of the playoffs before these the, these groupings start to thin out a little bit. That's TV. The whole thing's going to be TV. I mean, you've got free agency that's going to essentially be happening as this is going oh, on. Oh, for sure. You know, think think of the tampering that's going on in that hotel. Oh, you yeah. Know? And it it just, I mean, like you said, like, uh, and by the way, way to throw gas on the fire there. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, tell me that, I'm just saying, like, it would be, it would be intriguing, especially. Isn't that the, isn't that the most intriguing thing that's going on right now at the Kings, though, that we're really not talking about because there's so much crap going on? Um you know, you got Bagley out there, and what are they going to do with this guy? And right. you're right. There's there's Luka Doncic could just be in the same hotel, and, you're, you know, this theoretical meeting you keep talking about, I, <laughs> it, it's hilarious. Just imagine and, two, two DNPs for Marvin Bagley, and then, you know, Luke Walton just bumps into Luka Doncic in the, in the hotel room. Then, or the whole starting lineup is going up to a meeting or something, and there's Luka, you know, coming down for – you know, to get some lemonade well, or something. You, you also got a real good chance that they're going to play. And so what does Dallas look like? You know, what are the numbers as far as like, you know, games behind, you know, for the Kings? It, it, is it going to be like a big game, yeah. you know? And I think that when you're Luka Doncic, you actually, your, your team will probably come back into one of these scenarios better because he's an all-encompassing player. They base their tempo off of him. And there, I don't see, I don't look at them and think there's going to be a lot of slippage there for what they're going to try to do. So they could easily just, you know, mop the Kings up. And if Bagley wasn't playing or say Bagley is playing and, you know, you, 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 you see a bad performance out of Bagley, a good performance out of Donkey, it's just going to throw more fuel on that fire. So there's a, there's and, a couple of questions to dive into right there. One, where were you on Dallas before the year started? Oh, that's a great question. That seems like five years ago, man. It was an eternity um, ago, but I remember vividly. I, I, I was, think I took the over. Okay. Yeah, I was so off with them. Like, I was wrong. Like, I saw all this talk about playoffs and all this talk about how good they – and I was just like, man, you're putting a lot of pressure on Luka. Like, and I didn't give Rick Carlisle enough credit. I forgot that coaching system that they've got in place, and I, I was I was so dead wrong about them. I did not think they would be in this position. On who the the uh, the, Mavs? the Mavericks? Yeah, I was I was just dead wrong about them. I oh, you I, you were down on them. Yeah, I was down on them. I, I was did. trying to find out if I was doing an over or an under on those guys. Yeah, I, you, you kind of always bet down. on the Mavs. I mean, like with Rick Carlisle, the way that that organization has their continuity from top to bottom. You know, I've been burned taking the under on those guys. You know, uh, quite a bit. So, I uh, they're gonna be. Um, they would be in a they would be a team I'd look at, you know, as far as taking to advance further than than most people think of the playoffs, just because of that continuity. Now they do have the problem of, of losing Dwight Powell. Yeah. And so they're but they the, but that actually kind of perfectly thins them out. So so the right guys are getting kind of the right minutes up front there. Christoph Sperzingis gets a rest. He needed that badly. Um you know, they're thin in, in terms of overall talent. But they, uh, I think with, with Luca and, and the coaching, you know, they could easily in a, in a sh- small sample size, get either the seating they want or, you know, um, perform well in that playoff. 
Yeah, I mean, they do have... I, I feel like they're probably locked into the 7, given where the 8 is, given where the 6 is. I feel like they're probably locked in, but... Um, Okay, this was fun. We talked about the NBA overall for about 13, 14 minutes. So let's let's center in on what we're here yeah, let's for. Let's get into the Kings. You've already brought Marvin Bagley up. First, let's let's what do you what is the origins of this Bagley Bagley's dad, De'Aaron Fox, social media? Like what is the origins of this? Do you know? I mean, all signs point to dad. Okay. In this case, like and and this is a, this isn't even really a Bagley thing. This is a lot of NBA players. They will turn to family to manage their careers, and you know they, they there's a trust factor there, and, and obviously a family factor there. So uh, dad pretty much says what he wants, and you know I think that rubs players the wrong way. And um, you know at the tail end of the, the the regular season or whatever we're calling the first part of the season, it, you know that the, the on and off the court with the foot injury. I don't know how well that ingratiated him, you know, with other teammates because it was so kind of weird. And there's organizational elements to that as well. You know, um, a big investment made in this pick, high profile pick, you know, a tumultuous pick. And, and you got guys, you know, in Vlade, you know, Luke Walton, you know, who are kind of tied at the hip, but Vlade, especially being a part of all that, so much pressure on him to be the man. And, and I think when you look at the way he's played the game on the floor, it says a lot about how this is also going off the court with the Kings. He, he hasn't really bought into the idea that he needs to earn that, that um, you know, respect from teammates, coaches. You know, he, he's, he's, he's sort of anointed himself as the number one guy. And, and you know, that's how a lot of NBA players think of themselves. And, and that's what makes them great so that you don't want to curtail that so much. But it has been, you know, just sort of sitting out there and you kind of, you know, watching the last dance, you kind of look at these old school rookie scenarios where like Scottie Pippen got brought in and, you know, uh, Charles Oakley was his, his vet. And, and they really made those guys earn it. And Bagley, you know, takes every shot he sees. He takes the, the, the step back three pointers that are you know, just it's maybe got a good long term value to see him taking that kind of shot. But in the flow of the offense, it's not that great defensively he's not there yet so um you know i think you ball all of that up and then you start to see some of that instagram stuff that uh you know darren fox put out there i didn't think healthier otherwise i didn't think he was going to play the remainder of the season uh, i had gotten that in it just and, and, and that wasn't off inside information that wasn't off intel it was just kind of reading the room a little bit the kings were playing well bagley wasn't around they were awful when he did play why mess up the chemistry? But now you've had, you know, this very unique situation where you've had essentially four months off before you can really make a, a what would ultimately be a historical for multiple reasons run at the postseason here. And well, I'm trying to figure out, like, is Bagley going to be a part of this or not? That's a very good question, and I don't know that we have the answer. And it could be something, you know, where his dad makes a choice for him, you know, or or he makes a choice in consultation with his dad, and we don't know what that choice is yet, or he could play. Mm -hmm. And then the question becomes, how does he fit in? Because all the things that you said are absolutely true, and you're going to go into this eight-game run, and, and you really need your best players on the floor in the best configurations, and there, there's a lot to talk about there. 
Um, you already got issues with the weights. The team was being deployed even when they were winning. And I want to throw out a little caveat there because when they got into the last 15 games or so that they played, some of those games they played were do- you know, just dog games where the mm-hmm. other team did not care, did not play their best players, did not give it their best effort. And, and the Kings actually didn't even play that well, but they would wander into those wins. So I'm not as high on the way that they were playing, but fact of the matter is, is they did win games. And and those configurations, you had a lot to do with it. You had players that came out of sort of nowhere through trade that that also earned playing time. So uh, I think with Bagley, it's the best deployment I, I could see for him would be something of like a 22-minute bench roll where he comes in as a high-energy guy, Maybe if he's playing well, he earns his way up to 25 to 28. Um, but you don't really want to – you definitely don't want to take minutes away from Rashawn Holmes. Bielitsa, in a way, kind of becomes a sort of mandatory starter in this thing, unless you go to my preferred lineup with Harrison Barnes at the four and and just really say, hey, we're going to go with our best stuff. You know, Bielitsa, he, he's good for our offense, but, you know, kills us on defense and – you know, we really just want to try to eliminate any sort of uh, leakage, you know, in terms of value and, and, and just kind of go that way. But I don't think they're going to do that. And, and he sometimes the offense just doesn't work without him. The approach, so you, you, you start him, you know, for, for, say, like 15 minutes a game. If he's playing well, you extend him. But Rashawn Holmes, you got to put him out there. If you're going to make a run at this playoff, you can't put who has been arguably your best player on the bench, you know, and 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 especially if you have Alex Len and you're entertaining any ideas of what he brought to the table, which is a lot of good toughness, you know, interior presence that really is kind of the hallmark of good teams. So I don't know what you do with Bagley other than give him the, the low minute count and um, see if he can earn it. And, and also you don't want to disrupt everybody else. And that's what he does when he's on the floor offensively is he just totally disrupts it defensively. He doesn't really rotate well. So. Those are the those are the tough issues for the Kings. But if you kind of sh- if you shift a- away from those and look at everything else, they actually have. I don't want to say uh, a great chance, but personnel wise, I think they match up pretty well. You know, to make a run at this, and it's not like Memphis is is just a lock. Yeah. You know, to play well when when all of this happens. So. Uh, I would be looking down lineup to see where the value is for the Kings and, and then, you know, kind of see, see what you do with the big men, you know, kind of on a game-by-game game basis. If Bagley's running 15 minutes a game, are we— He's going to be pissed. I was going to say, like, are we, <laughs> right, like, are we, start, are we starting to talk about— are we starting to talk about the end of Marvin Bagley in Sacramento? Because I can't—I mean, 15 minutes a game here in this situation after this amount of time off, that's a— for a number two overall pick, man, that's tough. Well, and here's the thing that would be crazy. If the Kings make an action on this, they will be selling low on Marvin Bagley. Yeah. And that's not a great recipe for success. I think you kind of got to take a young player, put an arm around him, you know, and, and, and really try to summon that leadership that the Kings really haven't had, you know, and, and there's, it feels like they're starting to turn the page in, in, in certain respects. Maybe, maybe they can continue to build off of that, but you gotta get him to buy into the game of basketball. This is where somebody like a Doug Christie, you know, you, you sort of wish you could just plant him right in, in Marvin Bagley's ear mm-hmm. and, and really just teach him the finer points of the game. Cause I think everything opens up for him at that point, 
you know, if he doesn't force the action on an offensive play and he makes that pass and he gets his teammate involved and learns certain elements of tempo, you know, then he then he becomes part of the unit. And and defensively, I think that stuff takes time. And and I think with his leaping ability and his length, you know, he's not going to be a non-factor. He might be a target, but he might. But I don't think he'll be a non-factor because he will make plays. Maybe not even occasionally. Maybe quite often because of that reach. So I think you gotta you gotta bring him along here because if you turn around and sell him, you know, I, I think yeah, you'll get a pretty good return. But whoever whoever makes that deal for Marvin Bagley, they're going to get an even better deal on yeah. on that transaction. It might as well be the Kings that benefit from that. But they do have to figure out how they're going to play, you know, with the Rashawn Holmes, or do they just turn away from a Rashawn Holmes and say, you know, what, it was cool while you were here, you know, but we do have to follow through on this bet with Bagley and, and figure that out. And, and and that in its and of itself, I thought Holmes is a great, you know, his trajectory as a, you know, as a player, he's going to be high end for about two more years. That fits well with the current group. So I don't know that I would want to do that. I would want to make sure Bagley can actually, you know, buy in that they can split time at the four or probably at the five. And, uh, and then Bagley can play some minutes at the four. If they could get like eight minutes together, I think that would be good. Uh, but this Bagley thing is going to be front and center. And, uh, you know, we'll see if there's leadership all the way around to make it work. You mentioned Doug Christie. It's really an amazing thing to hear the amount of very high caliber players who speak so highly of Doug Christie and to think that he's not on the sideline in some way, shape or form uh, for one of these 30 teams in the NBA is really a shame. He should be a coach. I've never never heard anybody talk the game the way he talks the game. He sees things differently. I mean, being able to talk to him on the floor before games, you know, a couple of years ago, he just sees things that I could never, like, I could just never imagine, no matter how many times I watched a game, I could never imagine seeing it the way that he does. I'm no, you know, I, 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 I don't know a lot about Doug's like college career and, you know, even his first few years in the league, like I just wasn't following. So I don't really know his path, but he strikes me as a guy that had to earn it at every level. Yep. And when you have to earn it at every level, you learn the little tricks, you know, and, and, you know, way back in the day when I was playing not, you know, serious basketball, like I started playing basketball late. So like while all my, my teammates, you know, had been playing for a while, they, you know, had polished offensive games. I didn't have any of that. So I had to earn everything I could on the defensive side. And, and when you play the game that way, you, you learn little tricks on how to dodge screens and just how to get around guys and how to use your whatever your attribute is to get that edge that you didn't have. So he's got all that. So when you, when you hear him call a game, it, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's giving you the, like, if, it's almost like if the coaching and the, the players could listen to him as he's talking, yeah. you know, they could be getting a scouting report in game, you know, for what they need to do at that given time. But yeah, that's a little crazy, but you know, I think he enjoys the, the call and, uh, it's good that the Kings fans have him on the call. It, 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 it certainly is. Uh, but I think it would be better for the Kings organization. It would be better for other organizations in the league if he was on the sideline. That's just my opinion. That, and that's, I'm not speaking for him in any way, shape or form. I just think that's what he would be great at. Um, you know, the, the, the approach to these first eight games of the so-called regular season, it, it, it's, it's going to be quite the dynamic because you've got teams like the Clippers and you've got teams like the Lakers and the Bucks, and you know some of these, you know, you know other teams who are just like, man, let's just get through these eight games, and 
you know, they're going to kind of make their way through it. They're really going to be working themselves in shape for the postseason. Meanwhile, you've got a starter gun firing off for teams like Memphis, uh, Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento. And, and I mean, I guess San Antonio, I guess we'll include San Antonio, who it, I feel like they've gone ahead and said, nah, we're good. LaMarcus Aldridge just has surgery. We're not really interested in all this, but they're going to be a part of it. Uh, and, and even the Phoenix, they're going to be like in an all out sprint. They're going to be going as fast as they can. They're going to be throwing every trick they can in the book to be able to be a part of that playing game. And, you know, that's that's going to create for some interesting games. That's going to be interesting, like, when those teams who are fighting for, you know, the eighth spot or the ninth spot, those teams that are fighting for the for the play-in game, when they play the Lakers. Like that, that, that dynamic is going to be interesting. Or when they're playing the Denver Nuggets or teams that don't really have a lot to you know, to win or lose, because even if you're the Nuggets brew or you're you're the Jazz or the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, there, there's going to be some shuffling in the three, four, five, six, seven position. But it's not like home court advantage is changing. So I, I don't know really what the motivation for those teams that are already locked into their playoff spots is going to be. Meanwhile, you've got these other teams that, you know, they're in a, the, you know, it's it's the you know, it's, it's, it's the 12th round. They've got to score a knockout and they're going to go out there and swing as hard as they can for eight games. I think there's more uh, reasons for teams to play this thing out hard than, than you might think um, going down the list. Like Denver, for example, uh, they, it, well, Jokic, will he come back in shape? Even if he had a great, you know, off season here, uh, he's a guy that they have to absolutely gear up and make sure that he's in tip-top shape heading into the playoffs. So I think you'll see that out of them. The Jazz, they're a little bit on life support because Rudy Gobert is not anywhere near as good as folks think he is. And, uh, you know, that's his his uh, health will actually, you know, he probably benefits from this time off. And so can they get into more of a rhythm with him? You know, um, his teams are going to target him, you know, especially in an eight, even in an eight-game run, I should say let alone in the playoffs, they're going to target him in the pick and roll all game long. So you might see teams start to do that more than they do in the regular season. And, um, you know, I think that the jazz want to try to figure out how to fix that up. The thunder, um, man, yeah, they, they might, they might actually coast in cause they got, there's so many bodies that they, um, don't have. Um, and, and the ones that they do are, are really banged up, uh, rockets, you know, probably playing to perfect this, this small ball. So I think they'll go hard. Uh, Dallas, you're right. I think they, they could actually ease off a little bit. Um, but I think but there are reasons for these teams to play these games. And then you're, you're ta- as far as the chase group goes, oh, yeah, they're coming out gangbusters. That's going to be so much fun to watch. And and that's what I, I was tweeting the other day is like, this might be the coolest basketball that we've seen in a long time because we're going to get this season here and then just turn around and flip it into another season that will also be condensed. Yeah. So we're going to get 12 months of basketball that that's really going to be phenomenal. I think we, we, we've got to dive into that also uh, before I got another idea. I got another TV idea, a camera that follows around Rudy Gobert and it films people's reactions when they see Rudy, Rudy Gobert for the first time since March 11th. That's tele <laughs> brew. Come on, man. I am a television producer today. That that's money. All you are. You, all you're doing though, you're just filming the expressions of, of people who walk by Rudy Gobert. And start, for the love of God, with Donovan Mitchell. I want a camera trained on Donovan Mitchell and Quinn Schneider and the rest of his teammates uh, the first time Rudy Gobert walks into that Utah Jazz uh, locker room here coming up June 
22nd or whatever day it is. I wonder how much of there was before all this stuff came out. Cause like, you know, if you're solid and you know, you, you, your teammate does something stupid, you know, touching all the microphones and then you get Corona and I don't think they know who gave who Corona right. or how it all went down, but like you could probably patch that up. Um, but the way it went down, you know, there was definitely friction there and, and that could come back to the fact that like when you're, when you're geared up to win now, you know, and you're kind of reaching your peak as a team and players aren't performing and you know they're getting a lot of the credit and in the case of donovan mitchell he was getting a lot of you know not a ton of heat but you know as far as the the jazz underperforming this year he was supposed to be the guy that took that next step he didn't really make it and and a lot of that comes back to some foot injuries but you know when you're taking the heat and the other guy's getting the credit and you know the defense isn't quite where it used to be when rudy gobert was a light you know, bouncy, you know, say three, four years ago, young player coming on the scene. Now he's bulked up. He's got knee issues. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not nearly as bouncy. So I think there's something there. And I'm that. only, I'm, I'm, I'm only being slightly sarcastic. The, the fact is if it wasn't Rudy Gobert, it would have been someone else. It was only a matter of time before the NBA found there as they, you know, termed patient zero. Like it was going to happen at some point, but I mean, my God, all of these players that, tested positive there are names that we know names that we don't Kevin Durant wasn't even playing in the league and he tested positive for coronavirus Marcus Smart tested positive you know there are a number of other players that that tested positive it would have been somebody if it wasn't Rudy Gobert I'm shocked they played as long as they did yeah I mean that's shocked yeah for sure again it's big business but it's just yeah when you were no one was as dumb to touch all the microphones and make a joke out of it like Rudy (laughs) Gobert was that that was that was the issue isn't that the issue with like most of the country right now? It's like we can't just sort of like have a middle ground where we treat this seriously and, you know, but not but also not lose our heads no. at the same time. No, you know, we, we cannot have there is no middle ground in this country in no way, shape or form. Not with COVID-19, not with racism. Oh. There is no middle ground <laughs> like that has become very, very clear over the last couple of months. Um, you mentioned next season. Uh, so I, I was always under the thought that. You know, let's let's stay with the Kings here before we go into the thoughts overall. Adam Silver has has floated this out there. This was very strategic on his part. We know what's going to happen. I think although the players know what's going to happen, the salary cap is going to be reduced. And there are estimates that the salary cap could be reduced by up to $30 million. Now, the good thing for the Sacramento Kings is that goes across the league. It's not exclusive to them. But... They do have a situation with Bogdan Bogdanovich where I assume somebody is going to throw a whole ton of cash at him. How this latest development with the salary cap uh, affects that actual amount of cash remains to be seen. But I'm guessing there's going to be more than one team that's willing to throw a whole bunch of money at him. And the Sacramento Kings are going to have to decide uh, whether they're going to match that or not. How do you think this likely reduction in salary cap is going to affect the Kings and their, their uh, ability to sign resign bogey. Well, let's just say when we, when I was saying looking down lineup at the guards, you know, for this upcoming eight game stretch, you get bogey coming back with probably his best, you know, sort of health and the knee is the big, you know, if you told me his knee was not an issue, I would be way more on board with the Kings Mm -hmm. keeping Bogdanovich because I, I think there is a special talent there. Uh, I think he's a special shooter. I think that, you know, a few tweaks to his game and, and he can get there, but he's just not beating guys anymore. 
um, you know, with the kind of regularity that you want to see a high end, uh, you know, highly paid player do, you know, you don't want to see somebody going up against a, a subpar defender and he can't get separation and then he's hitting front iron, you know, and this is the front end of the contract. It's not even at the front end of the contract. You know, we're, we're, we're heading into that. So, um, that the defensive issues, you know, that would make me personally not want to want to spend that money. Um, but now coming into this eight game stretch, you know, you're going to see him at his peak, which probably isn't good for what you're talking about. If you're in the business of keeping him, yeah. uh, because of the additional offers that would be out there. Um, but he healed, you know, talk about a lightning rod, man. He is, he's a guy that makes Sacramento different on the court. He's like a top three shooter in the league. In my opinion, um, you know, he, he catches so much heat and, and a lot of it deserved. Uh, I wonder what the tonality surrounding Buddy Heald will be now that one of his biggest detractors in an optics role is gone. Um, but he, Bogey, Fox, and especially if you throw Barnes at the four, that's his natural position. He's not a three anymore. Mm-hmm. Throw him at the four next to Rashawn, and that's a team that flies, man. And if you can get him to run, which they've had a lot of time to talk about it, I think that they're onto something. Now, what you're talking about going in the future, the Kings telegraph their moves all the time, and they rarely get off bad bets. And and I'm I'm not, I don't think it's a terrible bet to bet on Bogey, but you've already got Harrison Barnes clogging up your cap space, and and is sort of a um you know a, a sub value player in terms of cap. Adding another one, I just I think for future years, if you're looking to develop this team two to three years down the road to be a top four team in the West, you're going to restrict yourself with these two moves, you know, paired together. Um, and then you got to pay other guys, which could be the impetus to trade both Heald and Bagley and not pay, you know, these bigger amounts in this sort of reset around those guys. Um, that core, I just don't like that core. You know, if we're if we're if we're talking Fox, Bogey, and Barnes as your core, and, and you're not, I mean, maybe at that point you do keep Holmes, which would be again a good move for two years. Um, but it's just not compelling. You know, it's not the, the the rest of Western Conference isn't shaking in their boots at that point. And that's even if Fox becomes the player that a lot of us think he can become, which is sort of a high end top ten, top fifteen player yeah. in the league. So. I, I think that if, in a best case scenario for the cap, if these numbers shrink, and I do think that there will be um, smoothing. I don't see how they get out of smoothing because you're going to have too many teams upside down. Yeah. And I think the players will be in favor of, favor of it because they don't want to go into free agency with nothing out there. Sure. And, so and, and that's, you'll see some smoothing. And that's one thing that, you know, if you're a baseball fan and you're listening to this that you might not be familiar with. In the NBA – in most cases, the Players Association and the, and, and, and the league office and the Board of Governors, they actually work in concert with what they're doing, and they try to figure out what is best for the players and the league overall, unlike Major League Baseball, who they just have a giant pissing contest that goes on for, I think we're going into our like ninth week here of these two entities not being able to get anything laid out. With, major, with, with, with the NBA, they're, they've already thought of this. You know what I mean? And if they haven't had discussions with Chris Paul and the Players Association already about, as you just said, smoothing, as you just talked about the lowering of the cap, I would be really, really surprised. They probably have a good idea, especially given the fact that free agency is scheduled to start like three days after the NBA Finals. So you mentioned the next 12 months, you know, that that we're going to see, like it is going to be fast and furious. 
Well, you know, the China stuff happened as well. So right. I mean, they're taking like huge chunks, right. huge hits. That's, I mean, all of this is unprecedented. But the NBA does have a history, even though if you kind of go back to the lockout, you know, that this is sort of a laughable statement. But the NBA has a recent history of working with the Players Association to, to basically pump up the value of all these franchises. It's been good for everybody. Um, but yeah, no, this, uh, if the Kings like the best case scenario in this, in my opinion, cause I'm not a big fan of throwing this money, uh, Bogdanovich's way from the Kings perspective, uh, maybe things get tight, yeah. you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they do decide, Hey, you know what? We don't want to pay him this money that this other team's offering him. And, um, you know, they go a different direction because at the end of the day, I don't think you want to pay Buddy Heald, right? You know, that to was be the, a twenty-five minute guy. When you, you say know, they twenty-seven minute guy, when they go a different direction, I feel like they already went that direction, and that was like Buddy. My feeling was they had a decision to make that they had to they had to decide by the trade deadline. They were either going to trade Buddy Heald, or they were going to severely, 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 like greatly risk losing Bogdan Bogdanovich in the offseason. To me, it seems really, really difficult. It seemed difficult with a full salary cap. You know, even the, you know, the, the, the projected salary cap, you know, even, you know, we can throw post-China stuff in there, you know, pre-COVID. It still seemed like it was a difficult reach. But now with the, you know, the China stuff's going to be factored in, but now these significant losses from, you know, playing in an empty arena and, and, and moving to a bubble. It's not, it's not like the NBA is moving to this bubble for free. Like, it's going to cost them millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I just, I didn't see it. I didn't see how they could have both of them on their roster next year. I thought they had to move Buddy before the trade deadline. And when they didn't, I thought, okay, they made their decision. They're, they're, they're going to keep Buddy and they're, they're going to risk losing Bogey in the offseason. I think they've got an idea of some teams that are interested. So I think they're, they were comfortable playing it out, but all of your points stand. And, and the Kings actually have been sensitive to financial pressures throughout the entire Vivek tenure. Mm-hmm. So the loss of this revenue, the, um, you know, everything that that's going to sort of trickle down and the organization's not exactly going to be, you know, flush with money to, right. you know, go climb up into the, you know, the, the penalty or anything like that. Um, but on, on court alone, you, you, you've got this question of is Buddy healed a valued member of the organization? And I think kind of almost top to bottom, everybody appreciates his talent, but they're not quite sure that he has the intangibles to be a 30 plus minute guy. And he wants to be that guy. And you keep Bogdan Bogdanovich. There's only one basketball to go around and really it should be in De'Aaron Fox's hands a whole lot. So you know, I like Bogdanovich's backup point guard, you know, and, and playing a bunch of minutes at shooting guard. You know, if, if, if you could throw a dart, I'd say like 27 minutes per game is kind of what he, his, his talent demands on this squad. And then you play small, um, you play buddy, you know, at the three, he's sort of got the strength, um, tons of stuff to work on with defense there. He's his regression on defense. I mean, he was showing signs defensively under Jaeger that were promising, um, but his awareness has just completely gone down the chute. He looks like a completely underconfident player on that side of the floor. And then he's got that syndrome where everybody yells at you and all of a sudden you just can't get anything right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and uh, if he can get that fixed, but um, the Kings, if they, if they do keep that configuration, I don't see how that works out long-term for them. The center of the hoop ball universe is 
it's gambling and, and like fantasy play. Is, is fantasy like is fantasy going to return for like eight regular season games in, in, in the postseason? Is, is, is it is it back? Are we are we back to full on degenerate been gambling, gambling on on Korean baseball, man? Like that's, <laughs> no uncom- that's uncomfortable. Not even not even like passively. Yeah. You know, our guys that run the gaming channel, they're real degenerates. I'm a partial degenerate. Uh, actually, I'm pretty degenerate, but they, they but you're they, really good guys, at being a degenerate. That's 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 how hoop ball thrives is you're really good at being a degenerate. I, I, I like to do what I can out there. And um, we did well again this year. And it kills me because we should have done better if the season would have played out. I think we would have gotten like first across the board in these high stakes competitions, second and a third. My third was such a bad beat. I went down from first for one day. It was the last day of the season, and that's how they they settled it. But uh, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. The the there will be um, fantasy. They're they're already. You know, I'm getting emails from providers. Uh, they're basically setting up some actually really fun games where you draft, te- you put draft players from teams in groups, and then you're trying to get pick the guys that will actually advance in the playoffs. So they've created sort of a playoff format for some of these uh, competitions out there, and and folks are going to be playing a ton of DFS. And, and, and these things, it's like funny, you, you, if you don't play these things, your brain might turn off listening about them. But these are the things that make the NBA go around. You yeah. know, the NFL rose to prominence about 15, 15, 20 years ago, maybe even 20 plus years ago on the back of fantasy football. 100%. And went from, yeah, it, it just, it, it, it increases viewership and, you know, people around the world. You wouldn't believe people that, you know, message with us you know these famous people that play fantasy basketball like it's nothing you know it's like the last thing uh, they want to do on this earth um so it's really it's a popular thing out there and for me in my basketball coverage i can't say enough about it being able to know the entire league inside and out and and, and be able to bring that to the analysis it i don't think i can ever quit that if i'm gonna be you know a basketball and analyst it's um it's invaluable stuff but yeah no full speed ahead and uh then we turn around and we do it again you know, in, in, in the middle of October. And that's the thing with free agency. I'll put a bow on this for us. Um, the Kings have eight games to almost like determine what their future will be. Does Marvin Bagley have a good experience? Does he have a bad experience? Does bogey ball out? Do the Kings just get bounced, you know, real quick out of competition? And, and then everybody sort of looks at it and says, eh, this wasn't that great of a season. You know, everybody's been hanging on that last stretch where they beat up all these teams that weren't playing hard. You know, and they've gotten a kind of a pass on what's happened this year. It's his first year, Luke Walton coaching, you know, OK, well, let's give it another year. He's not the issue. It's, you know, it's all these other things. Um, you know, these things could change. And then if they make the playoffs, oh, my God, you know, what kind of celebrating are you going to see out of Kingsland? for their first playoff appearance in how long? Was it long? 15, 15 long. something? I, yeah. It's a long time. Yeah, I think it's 13 So um, all of that, and then you have free agency going on in the background while playoff games are going on. You know, the, it opens on the 15th, or that's the date as of right now, but there will be all these different talks between teams and players getting offended or, or, or maybe not offended, but getting, you know, good news because they're getting what they want and they're angling to do what they want to do for this upcoming season that's right around the corner. That stuff's fascinating. So I think you're going to see a lot of stories. I think you're going to see a lot of good basketball action, maybe some bad games because people are, are rusty or out of shape, but I think you can see a lot of effort. And um, I think the playoffs are going to be fun. So, you know, it's something we desperately need around here. 
the father and founder of hoop-ball.com, Aaron Brewski. Brew, thanks as always, my man. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Always fun to talk to the man behind hoop ball, Aaron Brewski. Uh, a lot there in that conversation. Uh, don't feel need to take any more of your time. We appreciate you so much for tuning in, but there really is a lot to think about as we're about, uh, gosh, at the time we're posting this, we're 20 days away from the first practice. Uh, the Kings are set to be back here in Sacramento no later than the 20, I think it's the 21st, 22nd will be the first day of COVID-19 testing. So I, I really still, you know, as excited as I am, I think as excited as we all are, uh, there's still a, you know, there's still a, we got to kind of cross our fingers and, and hope this all works out well. It, it, it feels like it's going to, uh, but, you know, I, I still think it would be wise for us to just all kind of hope and pray for the best because this is, there's still a pandemic out there and we're still very much dealing with it. And I appreciate you so much for being here on the podcast. If you want to support this podcast or any podcast I do, head over to the Patreon account. It's patreon.com slash Damien Barling. If that's too much for you to remember, just go to Patreon or just go to DamienBarling.com and click the Patreon button in the upper left-hand corner. Again, appreciate you as always for being here. And we'll see you next time here on the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by HoopBall and the HoopBall Podcast Network.